Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father, your works of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. I'm Sandra Flack. Welcome to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. This week, I have a message on my heart to share with you about this labor of love, our parenting journey. Um, It's hard. It's been quite a week here at my house. I'll share a little bit about that in a little while. Um, But this labor of love requires endurance. Um, It's hard, right? There's trials and challenges and struggles, but there's also joy. Yes, I said joy. There is joy. Um, So we're going to get to that. But first, I do want to let you know about some FASD resources that we have for you. Uh, Fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Uh, Many of you know, but we have a lot of new listeners and I want to make sure that Everybody understands while this is not specifically a podcast about FASD, there are some great ones out there. We do talk a lot about FASD um, because FASD, um, you know, affects individuals who were exposed to alcohol in the womb. uh, And that's really a majority of kids in foster and adoptive placements. Um, Most are not diagnosed or they're misdiagnosed. Um, We find that even professionals by and large across this country don't know a whole lot about FASD. And, um, but yet we caregivers, we parents are living um, in this space, working with children who've been uh, affected and it is a spectrum. So uh, we could have kids, you know, affected just a little to a whole lot, like one of mine, a couple of mine. Um, So we want to support you well, because you may not even realize that's what's going on. And if you find yourself um, parenting your kiddos and and you're dealing with really hard things, or the older they get, the harder it seems to get, even if you do have attachment and connection and you're like, what is going on? What are we missing? Right? Right it could very well be that they were prenatally exposed to alcohol, which really changes the function and structure of the brain. And I teach uh, a lot on this. Um, And I also uh, wrote a cornerstone article for Focus on the Family and recorded some video modules to uh, go along with those. Uh, If you'd like to check out that resource and learn more, um, I have a personal uh, website, sandraflack.com, where I do blog. We just just uh, put up a new blog post, but um, my book about our family story uh, and our um, and this article from Focus on the Family, which you can go to Focus on the Family's website to find it as well, but it's also on my website, um, which really is geared toward um, parents, adoptive and foster kinship caregivers, and those of us who are on this journey, especially moms, So I hope you will check that out. Um, And I hope you will also check out this resource. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope Podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey, a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. 
To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. And in addition to our online support group, which continues to grow. I'm so grateful for all of our amazing members who really do. We encourage each other. We hold up um, each other's weary arms. We pray for each other. Um, it's an, it's an, a wonderful group of parents um, on this journey. Some of us have older kids, younger kids, diagnosed kids, not diagnosed, but suspected and all in between everywhere there. Um, so that's a wonderful support network. Um, but I also offer coaching, one-on-one coaching for parents and caregivers. Um, and we have online uh, and in-person workshops as well. Um, I know co- one coming up on, um, let's see, it is in March. So I don't have it on my um, my brain. But in March, if you check our website, justicefororphansny.org, you will find out about um, when our Lunch and Learn is. It's a free um, one-hour introduction to FASD. Uh, I do apologize that I don't have the date. I I have the February date, but by the time you hear this, that class will have passed, but there is one scheduled for March. Um, And if you're just learning about FASD and you want to learn a little bit more, the Lunch and Learn informational session is great. Um, Or if you want your... Uh, your kiddo's grandparents or Sunday school teacher, youth group leader, babysitter, whoever may be spending some time with your kids to learn a little bit more about FASD. Um, It's a great uh, opportunity for them to learn. It's free. It's an hour. We do it via Zoom. Um, So you can find out when that is in March. I, I offer that workshop every month. It's once a month. So um, you can always be on the lookout for that on our website. Um, I will also let you know that in April, um, the end of April, and again, I'm not going to be great with dates, but the Renew Retreat for Foster and Adoptive Parents is in North Carolina. Um, I was there last year. I will be there this year, and I will be teaching a breakout session about FASD. So if you are in the North Carolina area um, and you're interested in that, um, or if you just really need a break. It's truly a retreat, truly a time for some incredible soul care, self-care. It's for parents. Both parents can come. Um, It's great. So uh, check that out. I know there there is a website. You can find it on Facebook. Um, So it's the Renew Retreat. So I hope that you will check that out. Um, Lots of things going on. So to learn more, um, visit our website, justicefororphansny.org. Also, please subscribe. I just got to fit this in here somewhere because um, our listener base is growing and we want everybody to know where to find this podcast because we believe it's an invaluable resource for those of us on this journey. Um, And if you subscribe or follow, uh, leave a review, do any of those things or all of those things, it helps other families, other parents find this podcast when they go in and search for something about adoption, something about foster care, when they're looking for that kind of thing, um, will be more easily found and we want them to find it. Um, So we're also on YouTube. If you haven't discovered that already, the video version of this podcast um, is on the Justice for Orphans YouTube channel. So you can check it out if you're into watching podcasts. Um, you can tune in and check that out. So anyway, I've rambled on enough. I do really want to get to um, this message that's on my heart. Um, I shared it with our uh, in my Soul Care Saturday devotional, um, which is part of our Hope for the FASD Journey support group. So um, not only do we have three um, monthly Zoom support group meetings every month. Um, but every Saturday we feature on Facebook. We have a private Facebook group just for our members and um, we do a video devotional. So myself um, and also my co-moderator of the group, Debbie Raymond, who is also a certified facilitator of the facets neurobehavioral model and has tons of experience when it comes to um, FASD. Um, she and I take turns and we do a devotional every Saturday morning, um, and it's a video, 
And um, it's just an, a message of encouragement that our members can tune into. So this past Saturday, um, this message that I'm going to share today was just sort of bubbling up. Um, so I've expounded, I'll expound upon it a little bit more here today, but um, you know, it's a message that I needed this week and maybe you do too. So, um, and it goes along with the verses that I opened with first um, Thessalonians one verses two and three. Let me read that again for you. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father, your works of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, I don't have to remind you about our parenting journey. Um, especially caring for children with trauma histories and maybe even prenatal exposure to uh, alcohol or other drugs. This is a labor of love, right? Sometimes it feels more like labor than love, but it is a labor of love. Um, and and we, are, we have been called to this. The Lord has placed these children in our families. Um, but this labor of love really requires faith. It stretches our faith. It tests our faith at times. And we need to have endurance. Um, the verse that I read and the version that I read it um, refers to it as steadfastness. Um, we could also say endurance. Um, and we need hope, right? Um, that's what this message today is about because we need um, we need hope for this journey. We need to experience joy along the way. This is hard. Um we have great days, um, but we have a lot of not so great days, right? Um, so verse, I also wanted to share First Thessalonians chapter one, verse six, because in addition to the verses that I just read, this, this one stood out to me. Um, so verse six says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy by the Holy Spirit. You welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy by the Holy Spirit. So, you know, like I said, this journey, this parenting journey, adoption, foster care, all of it is a labor of love. It is a walk of faith and it is riddled with suffering that requires steadfastness. Um, you know, we do have trials and tribulations. This is hard. Um, we were never promised easy. Um, now, these verses, um, you know, they indicate joy. And the, this joy comes from the Holy Spirit. It is given by the Holy Spirit. So we can have joy in the midst of our challenges and trials and parenting our kids and the big behaviors and all of the hard things that come with it. But, you know, it doesn't, it sounds like this opposite thing, right? Joy in the midst of suffering, <laughs> which as I was pondering that, it made me think of yet another scripture, which is Hebrews uh, chapter 12. And I'm going to read verses one through three. So Hebrews 12 verses one through three says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So all of those things stand out to me in that portion of scripture, right? Run with perseverance, that steadfastness, that endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus for the joy set before him before Jesus, he endured the cross, the suffering, the shame, right? And also we 
with keeping our eyes on the Lord, right? So that we do not grow weary and lose heart because we're going to endure trials and difficulties. Now, these verses are about sin, right? And how it entangles us and hinders us from running uh, the race of life with Christ. Um, But I think we can draw some parallels here, right? Because we face challenges and trials and suffering, like we were talking about. Endurance is required. And so is fixing our eyes on Jesus. That is absolutely necessary, right? We can do this with him or without him. Either way, we're going to walk through these trials and these struggles. We're going to have great days and not so great days, but I can't imagine, nor would I ever want to do this without him. So fixing our eyes on Jesus is necessary. And there is joy to be found along the journey, right? Verse two says, for the joy set before him, for the joy set before Jesus, right? He endured the cross. And when it was finished, he sat down at the right hand of God. When it was finished, like a a runner focusing on the finishing line or an author writing the last lines of the last page of a book, right? That kind of joy and excitement that it's finished. It's an excited joy finishing something, right? The joy of finishing well. When it was finished, when the cross was finished, when Jesus had finished all he came to do, right? He set at God's right hand. Now, most of us in this parenting journey are nowhere near the finish line, right? I've been parenting for 34 years and there's not necessarily an end in sight with with a couple of the kiddos, our our youngest two that are 18 and 20. Um, You know, we're in the midst of our journey, our race, the part that requires endurance and steadfastness where there is suffering and trials and challenges, but God gives us the key to enduring And this key unlocks the joy in the journey. And the key is fixing our eyes on Jesus, right? According to 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 6, the Holy Spirit gives us joy in the midst of our struggles. Are you in a season of struggle? Maybe a season of suffering, right? Some days it feels like it. We need to make sure that our connection to the Lord is secure, that our plug is severely fastened into the outlet. The other night before I went to bed, I hooked the charger into my cell phone. I always do that and put it on my nightstand and it charges overnight. And then in the morning, I'm I'm ready to roll. Um, so I plugged it into my phone, but I hadn't noticed that somebody had unplugged the charger from the wall. So I thought it was charging all night and I ended up waking up to a dead battery, right? We cannot afford to have a dead battery on this parenting journey, right? Or as believers in general, for 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 life in general, right? We need to be plugged into God. So even then, um, when life, right? Or our kids, right? Throws punches at us, we're not only not knocked down, but we're walking in the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. So let me share a couple of punches that came my way recently, and I'll candidly, transparently share a couple of things that happened all in the same week, almost all on the same day. Um, but our, our youngest, who's 18, and um, if you've been listening to this podcast um, for any length of time, um, you know, he we do sort of this hybrid version of school. Um, and and I, I do want to say that um, our kids are all so different and have different needs that sometimes it's a variety of things that they really do need for their education. So we've had seasons of homeschooling in seasons of public schooling. Our our public school has a pretty good special education program. So there's been times when our kids have been in that because that's what they needed. And then there were times when 
they needed to be home, like during COVID and things were pretty disastrous. Um, our, our kids, especially our youngest, um, who has fetal alcohol syndrome, did not do well with all of the changes and things. And I've shared that in, in other episodes, but, um, you know, we're finding that he, because of, I have a good relationship with our school and I've always been um, very intentional on maintaining that relationship, even for the many, many years that we homeschooled our biological kids before we ever adopted all of our biological kids only went to home, only homeschooled and graduated all from home. But our, our kids, um, our two youngest, uh, different times needed some supports and resources that the school had. And so we were able to put them in there and they both have IEPs and all of that. So um, we'd been doing this hybrid version of school where um, because he's high school age um, for the past couple of years, I would do certain things at home. And then he was able to go in for a couple hours for some life skills um, and that kind of thing and job skills. Now we have a very unique situation because I think these opportunities, I know these opportunities vary by state and even by school districts within the state. So I have a unique um, uh, really opportunity with what we're doing here. But we've been finding because he's 18, um, he really needs more life skills, work-based learning kinds of things. And um anything we try to teach him like that at home, he's resistant to because, you know, parents are just being mean and making him do work. So we weren't very successful, but we found out that he was actually doing quite a few things in school that we were really impressed. Like, wow, he'll do that. Like, you know, and as he's getting older, um, he needs to have more of those skills. And he also, we, you know, we, we recognize he needs more experience in the social skill area. <clears throat> and again, this varies by kid, by where they may be on the spectrum, if they have an FASD. Um, so, so many different things come into play. This particular kiddo that I'm talking about has a lower IQ, fetal alcohol syndrome, and just so many challenges. He qualifies actually as a person with a developmental disability or an intellectual disability. So um, anyway, just to kind of set the stage there for that. And um, so the the more I've been, we've been learning that he's actually been able to do at school, but we're, we're slowly starting to integrate him back into school because by the end of this school year, we want to have him fully enrolled as a student because there's a work-based learning program that we want to get him into for next year. Um, in our state, in our area, this is a program he can be in until he's 22. Um, and he's 18, he'll be 19 in the fall. So we're working towards that. And he's been doing pretty well with that. But of course, the first week, um, which was just last week, when this these situations happen that I'm going to describe. Um, he uh, was our first week where he's going in from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. each day. Um, so just previously for the first part of the school year, he was just going in for a couple of hours and now he's there longer. Um, and um, by going in longer, he now has lunch with his class there in, he, he's in a special education class. We call it a 12-1-1. I don't know if this is everywhere, so I'll describe it as if, I don't know if you have this. Um, so it's a maximum of 12 students, one special education teacher, and one um, teaching assistant, TA, for these kids. And they are, some kids, depending on where they're at, can go out into some general ed classes or some of the kids stay in the class the whole time. They have adaptive PE where it's just their class. Um, so a lot of, a lot of supports, a lot of, a lot of structure there. And, and he's been doing really well in this class and the times over the years when he's gone in and actually attended school, um, our school district has this same classroom at the elementary level, the middle school level, and at the high school level. And he's in the high school level one right now. So um, the first week, um, where he went in at nine, um, because he was going in earlier, now he gets to have lunch with his class. So they have a lunch period and I assumed, and here's, here's a piece of advice. 
don't assume, don't assume. I made a mistake. I assumed when the teacher said that the class goes to lunch together, I assumed that the TA, the teacher assistant, went to lunch, that there was a support person with these kids at lunch in the cafeteria with like all of the other students having lunch at that period. So I assumed wrong. Um, and I'll describe what happened. And it's uncomfortable for me to describe this because um, when the teacher told me this, I cringed and I started to, and, and we can do this. When our kids do certain things, we can kind of take it personally and it makes us look bad. It makes our parenting look bad, our family look bad. You know, there's just certain things, right? And this was one of them where I at first cringed because I was worried about how I looked or our family looked. Um, because at lunch, one of the students, um, I don't know if somebody took my son's water bottle, whatever happened, um, a student handed him back his water bottle. And the student from his class, um, this individual was um, African-American. And when they handed my son the wa his water bottle, he said, Black people and white people can't drink the same water. And when the teacher told me that, I was just mortified, mortified, because that is not something that we believe or teach or that's not us at all. You know, we, we go to a diverse church. Like, I kept thinking, where would he even get that? And then all of a sudden, it clicked in my head because... With our kids, it's very important to consider their brain, how their brain works, what symptoms of FASD that they struggle with, that they have, um, and consider the environment and what's going on. You have to really be curious and look at all of these things. And that is why it is so important that we as parents and caregivers be FASD educated because I was able to right away see this because I said, actually, recently at home in our homeschooling, we just read a whole story about Rosa Parks. And, you know, now my son is 18, but developmentally on a lot of levels, he's only eight or nine on a good day. So we have a lot of conversation and I have to do a lot of explaining. And even with that, I have to be careful with the language that I use and the, we have to keep it really simple and really short. So he had questions about why, you know, the whole Rosa Parks didn't give up her seat on the bus. And I simply explained there was a time in history where black people had to sit in the back of the bus and white people sat in the front of the bus and, um, you know, they didn't go to school together. Segregation was a thing. Um, they couldn't uh, drink out of the same water fountains. Remember that um, phrase? Um, so we had this conversation and I made sure that I, you know, explained this was, a, you know, this was a long time ago in history and it wasn't right. And we have learned that that is not right. And those are, that no longer happens, right? That no longer happens. So that was our lesson. And as I was explaining that to the teacher, like maybe he got the water thing from that lesson about Rosa Parks. And then the teacher said, actually, because recently was Martin Luther King Jr. Day, they covered the same information in class. So she said, we actually did just talk about this recently. And that did come up. And all of a sudden, I'm like picturing my son's brain and, you know, how we talk a lot about how, you know, they're, they're, it's wired or, um, you know, neuro, neuro, you know, the, I'm going blank, but um, just how his brain is wired or, or miswired in the case of FASD, right? So he got a piece of information, like he learned some stuff, it's in there rattling around somewhere. And then here he is in a in a in a social setting in the cafeteria, which plays into this, which I'll explain in a moment. And a black person hands him water, and somewhere in his brain he retrieves a piece of this information, and it comes out of his mouth. Right now, 
Was it appropriate to say? No, it wasn't appropriate to say, but he wasn't, you know, this kid is not a kid that hurts people's feelings. He's actually really compassionate and doesn't want to hurt people's feelings. Um, he's not, you know, violent or aggressive. Um, but in his, you know, where his IQ is at, where his, how his disability presents, he has trouble with memory. He has trouble with language and communication and he can take in information, right? But, but, but expressing it and having it come out is challenging. He has very rigid thinking, um, difficulty generalizing like that's, you know, not something that happens today anymore. So therefore I shouldn't like say things like that. Um, difficulty predicting, like if I say this, this could be wrong or this could hurt somebody's feelings or this could get me in trouble, right? These are all, these. many of these things are executive function brain tasks and the executive function part of the brain, the boss of the brain, which is in the prefrontal cortex in the front of the brain. Um, as the brain is developing, that's the last part that gets developed. And that's the part that oftentimes is miswired, right? So difficulty predicting, difficulty understanding cause and effect. Um, and sensory is a big one. And not only was all of that happening in his brain, not working in a way that would, was able to process this whole story happened in history and leave it there just the idea of this this black student handing him water triggered a memory that was he didn't he didn't um grasp it all and it didn't come out right and maybe part of the reason why also that it didn't come out right is because um he really didn't have any executive function fuel left um our our group just did a um a book study on Nate Sheets um, authored a book. It's a newer book and it's on um, uh, FASD essentials. Um, and he talks about executive function fuel. Um, and, and I know my son is, has a, a lot of executive function deficits and um, on a good day, doesn't have much executive function fuel, let's say. And now he's in a cafeteria and I realize cafeterias can be loud and crowded. And even though he's sitting at the lunch table with his classmates, there is not a support person or a TA or anyone monitoring what's going on or what's being said. Um, and he has even less executive function fuel to operate with because my son struggles in loud, crowded, busy environments. Anytime he's ever been in trouble for anything, that has always been the environment. And he doesn't, when he's overwhelmed and having a hard time regulating, he's not violent or aggressive. He doesn't have meltdowns, but it's like his brain works less efficiently than it does on a good day. And on a good day with fetal alcohol syndrome, it's not really, he's not really high functioning in these areas. So he doesn't have good executive function fuel on a good day, put him in an environment that's louded and crowd and overwhelming, overwhelming for him. And there's like no executive function fuel. So there was no way impulsivity is another one. So he doesn't stop and think before he says something, especially if he's overwhelmed and feeling stressed. So there was that incident. Um, and, and that incident did get resolved um, between the principal and the special ed teacher and myself having a conference call um, discussing it all. And when I explained, I, you know, because my son came home from school that day and he right away came to me and told, you know, started to tell me because he, he ended up in the principal's office for two things. One I just described and one I will in a minute. Um, and, you know, I asked him, I said, well, how do you like lunch? Do you like going to the cafeteria? And he was like, mom, there's like 500 kids in the cafeteria. Now there's not 500 kids. There's like probably less than a hundred kids, but to him, it felt like 500 kids. And I said, how do you feel in the cafeteria? And he was like, I, I don't, I don't like it. 
So here I am thinking he was enjoying going to lunch um, with his class because when he was going in for just the two hours, um, he was allowed to, when he arrived at school, he could go to the cafeteria and get lunch and bring it to the classroom and eat in his classroom with his with his fellow students in his special education classroom. So I, you know, really miscalculated that he would actually enjoy going to the cafeteria with his class and sitting at the table. I kind of forgot that there would be a whole cafeteria full of people. So it wasn't enjoyable for him. It was extremely stressful for him. Um, and when he's under a lot of stress and he can't regulate and he has low to no executive function, that's when he can get into trouble. So we gave him the option of um, some students prefer to have lunch in the guidance office. They allow up to six students to have lunch in there. There's a, a, a an adult in there and they can just bring their lunch and they can sit, they can play a game, they can do whatever. Um, for the lunch period. And we gave him that as an option. And he said, yes, that's what I want to do. And I'm pleased to report that every day he reports that he likes that much better. He does not want to be in the cafeteria with all of the other students. And I, you know, and because at first my, you know, my um, perspective to the school was, well, you need to provide a support person. There needs to be somebody there. But as we walked through it and talked through it, I realized, you know what? The whole environment was set up for him to fail because he doesn't do well. And I hadn't I hadn't thought that through or realized it. So I learned something. Uh, the school learned something. And um, my son walked away feeling a little bit more understood and supported. The other thing that happened was during PE, um, which he loves to go to PE. He's been doing it. PE all year, um, adaptive um, physical education. So adaptive means it's supposed to be just the kids in his class. So he got in trouble. It was almost the same day or it was at least within a couple of days of each other. And again, we're in a transition period because this was the first week he was going to school from nine to one as opposed to 11 to one. So big transition. It's all, you know, that part of it is new. He was enjoying going. Um, but not without some speed bumps here. So in PE, he did tell me they played dodgeball. And I said, do you like that? And he said, yes. But what I didn't understand and didn't come out until the teacher called me to have the conversation about both of these incidences in PE, he said something inappropriate to a girl, a different, you know, another student, a girl student, um, you know, and I'll say, I think it's, I think I'm allowed to say boobs on this podcast. So I'm going to, <laughs> um, <clears throat> he commented about boobs to this student who did not appreciate that comment. And yes, that's inappropriate. And yes, we have conversations about that a lot because I have a son who's 18 developmentally eight or nine intellectually and with the raging hormones of an 18 year old and like no executive function fuel a lot of times. So it's very hard to um, work on his conversation skills because when he's overwhelmed, anything could come out of his mouth. Um, so as we unpacked this conversation, the teacher actually said, you know what? Even though they have adaptive PE, the PE teacher has a general education PE class at the same exact time, and she's been integrating the two. So I'm like, it's not adaptive PE. It's their, his class and another whole class of general education students. And they're in the gymnasium playing dodgeball. Another system failure here, another, um, you know, environment that is set up for my son to not do well. Because if you remember back in the olden days, at least when I went to PE, the gymnasium crowded with a bunch of kids running around yelling and a bunch of balls throwing, being thrown all over the place is loud, is sensory overload, is overstimulating, is chaos. And I'm pretty sure the PE teacher wasn't really on top of exactly what was going on with all of the students. Um, so in an environment like that, my son will become dysregulated. He will have even less executive 
function ability and less impulse control. And he said something that on a on, on a good day, he knows um, is inappropriate, but we actually use a script called good words, good boundaries, because inappropriate is a hard word for him. Inappropriate is a hard word for him. And as I we taught it, um, and I, I've shared this in the past on this podcast before too, a couple, you know, a couple few years ago, um, I was we were teaching him about what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. And, you know, we need to be appropriate when we're with other people and there's, you know, words that are appropriate and not appropriate. And we had, and he was agreeing with me and seemed like he was tracking with me the whole time until the end of the conversation. When I happened to stop and ask, do you know what the word appropriate means? And he said, no, what does it mean? So, so check for understanding, because even if they look like they understand, and they can repeat back to you what you're telling them. That does not mean that they actually understand and or can apply it. So we came up with a simple script of good words, good boundaries. So anytime I take him to school or anytime we go anywhere where we're going to interact with any other people in the community, um, it's good words, good boundaries. And sometimes I'll even say good words and good boundaries make a good day. Um, because when we don't use good words and good boundaries, we don't have a good day. Like we just didn't have a good day recently. Um, and now this is something that the teacher has actually chosen to implement with her class. Everybody needs help with good words and good boundaries, she reported. So she said, let's, I'm going to use that as a script in our class, not singling out my, my son, but they all need it. So understanding that the, the, PE situation should not have happened because that class should not have been integrated with a general ed class. Most of the time, um, they go, if it's just his class, they go to the weight room, which is a place he thrives. And, um, you know, with our kids with sensory issues, sometimes that deep pressure touch. Um, so lifting weights is, helps his brain to regulate as opposed to a chaotic game of dodgeball and a loud gymnasium with a whole bunch of kids running around and balls flying around, that's dysregulating. So the school has now um, told the PE teacher, those two classes are not allowed to be integrated together. You can't do that. Now, why on earth they have, this teacher has two separate classes at the same class period? I have no idea. But don't assume, always follow through. And I have learned with you know, especially with kiddos with FASD, we need to understand them and their brain and their symptoms. And this is a lot of what I teach with the neurobehavioral model, um, because we have to look at the environment. Um, you know, and I was able to have a good conversation with the teacher who actually asked me for FASD resources. I had been meaning to give her some and when she asked for them, I felt like this is perfect because if she's asking for them, she's going to, she's going to read them. She's going to go over what I'm giving her, which is great. Um, I did insist on the conversation with the principal because on the day that these incidences happened at school, he had to go to the principal's office, which also had the assistant principal and also had the, the teacher went with him. And um, apparently there is some uh, policy at school where any kind of um, situation like this, also the school resource police officer would be in on that meeting. And thankfully, um, the resource officer wasn't in the building. So he wasn't in on this conversation, but my son was, was stressed out and beyond because the principal was having a conversation with him about things like sexual harassment. And now tomorrow you're going to have to have a meeting with the police officer, so my son came home from school telling me, I'm going to be, I have to meet, I have to go see the police officer tomorrow and I'm going to be arrested for sexual harassment. Um, and I, uh, you know, my life is over and I, I I might have to end my life. Like we were in that, that territory. And I'm like, oh no, this is not happening. This is not happening. He's like, no, the principal said I have to. I said, no, I am your mom and I am in charge here. And you will not be seeing a police officer about this. And, uh, you know, and even if you had to, I would be with you, but this, this is not happening. So I got a 
call with a conference call and we were able to walk through it. And because I, because I have made myself, I'm not calling myself an expert, but because in the room, I'm the expert on FASD because the principal doesn't know, the assistant principal doesn't know, the special education teacher really doesn't know. I know FASD. I live with it. I've had professional training on it. I've immersed myself into this and I can advocate best for my son. So when I was able to explain to the principal very respectfully, but talking in like a professional, um, you know, my son has a developmental disability and intellectually he's really in, at age eight or nine. So when you're using words like sexual harassment and things, you're, you're terrifying him. And if you're going to have a conversation with him, you need to speak to him and with him like he's eight or nine years old, like you would an eight or nine year old. That's the level he's at. You used way too many words. You use scary words. And, you know, this is now the things he's saying that, you know, he's going to jail and he may need to end his life. So, of course, they backpedaled big time. Uh, now we realize that that wouldn't be a good idea. He doesn't have to see the police officer. I'm like, that's very good. Um, and then they wanted to know what they could do to better support him. When I was able to explain all of those, um, you know, symptoms of FASD and how his brain works, all that that I just described to you about the um, executive function and all of that, um, they actually offered the option for him to have lunch in the caf in the guidance office as opposed to the cafeteria, um, which my son that's working very very well, and they they. Um, committed to making sure that the PE class is just the adaptive class and not integrated with another class. Um, so it overall, overall, um, I feel like it was a, you know, a good opportunity, a good learning opportunity. I was able to educate at school, the, the, the principal, the assistant principal and the, and the teacher. Um, I was able to advocate for my son. Um, and when, having conversations with him about, you know, good words, good boundaries, always reminding him of that, but also able to have a conversation with him because he is old enough to have a conversation where I pointed out, um, you got in trouble in a crowded, loud cafeteria and a crowded, loud um, gym. I said, now, and I, you know, kind of showed him, we discussed how anytime you've had trouble, it's in crowded, loud places. So if you feel like you're in a crowded, loud place, you can tell the teacher or adult that you need to be out of there, that you you need to go somewhere quiet. And my son said, I can't do that. I can't tell the teacher what to do. And I said, oh no, you can. You can advocate for yourself and you can say, this is too loud. I can't be here. I need to go to a quiet spot. And just in that conversation, um, the next morning, I wondered if he would resist going to school. He didn't resist. We had a great conversation on the way to school, keeping it simple, keeping it short scripts, keeping it positive. Um, and when I went to drop him off at school, he leaned over and kissed my cheek and hopped out of the car and bebopped into the building. And he has never leaned over and kissed me on the cheek, you know, and I believe that he was feeling empowered, understood. Um, I advocated for him um, and and things have been going much, much better. Um, but it was a rough few days. Uh, we constantly are working on appropriate, you know, good words, good boundaries. Um, one of the things the school got to learn because they said, we are concerned, you know, Mrs. Flack, if he's out in the community and he says something like he, he said at school, he could get in trouble, he could get hurt. And I said, yes, I'm concerned about that too. That's one of the reasons why we want him in school to begin to learn in a safe place how to navigate these things. But our my son is never out in the community alone. Yes, he's 18, but again, he's more like eight or nine. He doesn't go anywhere unless a parent or other adult is with him. He doesn't navigate the community alone. He's not old enough intellectually to navigate the community alone. He needs a support person for everything. And that was eye-opening for them. So we want him to learn and we're teaching and reteaching 
over and over again. Um, that's sometimes what we have to do most of the time, what we have to do with our kiddos. But um, I feel like it was a good, um, it was, it was a rough week, but it was a good week. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I believe my son felt more supported. Um, and I think he walked away with some hope, um, some peace, and he's excited about going to school now. So, um, I don't think I would have been up for that challenge had I not been plugging into the Lord to, to know what to say, to know how to, um, you know, yes, I've got a lot of FASD education here and a lot of experience, but but to be able to navigate all of that because that was that was all in one day, like literally all of that happened in one day, dealing with the school and the principal and the teacher and having all of those conversations, um, it, you know, it was a lot and it was it was heavy. But I I I believe that the Lord, you know, my time with the Lord in the morning, plugging in, right, starting my day in the Word and in prayer, um goes a long way right to help me have the 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 wisdom and the di- discernment and the peace and to be able to navigate those things now mind you sometimes i have 10 or 15 minutes right it's not it's not like i have hours to sit with the lord i would love that but that's not reality right sometimes i have 10 or 15 minutes sometimes i can pull off a half an hour right but i make it a daily priority to be in the word to pray, to just sit in the quiet. It goes hand in hand with my coffee. So a lot of us will get up in the morning and like, I can't do life without my coffee. Well, I I can't do life without my coffee and my Jesus. Like they go hand in hand together. I don't have the coffee without him. So um, that's plugging in, right? We have to plug in, fix our eyes on Jesus, right? It's like our, our navigation system, our GPS for the day, right? I would be lost without that. Um, so um, I encourage you today to consider plugging in. If you're not already, be very intentional about it. We need Jesus. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to navigate this journey. Um, it is hard. It is difficult. We are not called to go it alone. We do have the Lord guiding us and helping us. Um, and we have each other. Um, so as we connect in this podcast, um, if you're connected to um, other other parent support groups or um, our support group that we have, um, we don't have to go it alone. We have each other to lift up each other's weary arms and the Lord will guide us and give us that hope, give us that peace and give us joy in the midst of the trials and challenges that we face every day, every week. So I'd actually like to close in prayer I want to pray for you today because maybe you are having a rough day. Um, Whatever's going on with your kids or other things in your life um, can be challenging. So I'm just going to close us in prayer. So let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord, and I am grateful for every listener, Lord, when, whenever and wherever they are listening to this podcast. I am grateful for them. And I pray, Lord, a special prayer of blessing over them, Lord, that you would um, just pour out your peace, your joy, your hope upon them, Lord. I pray that you will lead um, each person, Lord, um, into your into your presence, Lord, with, that they would experience um, streams of living water and refreshment uh, and rejuvenation, Lord, on this parenting journey, Lord. Um, I pray that you will lift up their weary arms, that you would encourage them each day on this journey, Lord, that you would give them wisdom and discernment in dealing with um, people at school, at church, um, trying to uh, get services and supports in place for um, their kiddos, um, IEPs and all of that, SSI, um, and working with um, inter- interacting with family members and other people in the community, church, um, wherever our kids go, whatever ages they are, Lord, I pray that you would just um, open doors of opportunity, provide what is needed, 
um, especially that encouragement, Father. I pray, Lord, for um, each family, Lord, represented uh, by the listener listeners, Lord, and I pray for their children, Lord. We thank you for our children that you created, that you knit together, Lord. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. No matter what has happened to them in the womb or in childhood, you've placed them in our families, Lord, and that is not an accident. You chose us to parent and to care for them while we have them, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that you will equip and encourage every parent and caregiver listening and that you would uh, provide and protect each child, Lord, that we care for, no matter their ages, Lord, that you would bring healing where trauma has caused scars. I pray for healing in Jesus' name. I pray for beauty instead of ashes. I pray for the oil of joy instead of mourning, Lord, that you would um, bring that healing, heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit to our children, Lord. Um, who've endured things that no person should ever have to endure. I pray for trauma healing. I pray for um, healing for any physical condition, including um, if they have been prenatally exposed to alcohol or drugs, that that you would provide healing, that you would provide um, an understanding and an education of the parents and caregivers and individuals in that child's life um, to understand how their brain works how it's been affected, um, and what supports that they need so that they can be successful. Help us to mine for gold in our children, Lord, because no matter what a di- what diagnosis they may or may not have, no matter what behaviors or symptoms or trials or struggles, no matter what's going on, Lord, you have created them and you've gifted them with talents and skills and abilities that you intend for them to have to do all you created them to do, Lord. So we pray, Lord, that you would show us, show us our kids' strengths and their abilities and those things that we can nurture in them so that they can experience success um, and, and that they can be encouraged and have hope and feel good that they can, that there's things that they're good at that they can do, Lord. I just pray, Father, for our families, that you would provide all that's needed, that you would bring peace. Um, that you would protect and father that that each one of us would experience your presence lord help us to plug into you help us to keep our eyes on you because that is where we experience the hope the help and the joy and the peace that we need for this journey and i pray all of these things in the name of jesus amen and thank you for being with us today. I encourage you to plug into the Lord this week, experience that that faith and hope and love and joy and peace that is only found in him. Thank you for listening to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast this week. I hope you were encouraged by my message. Um, In addition to encouraging you, I do love to equip you for this parenting journey, especially if you are or suspect that you're caring for kids prenatally exposed to alcohol. Um, I'm a mom of two teens with FASD. I'm a facilitator of the FACETS neurobehavioral model, and I love to support you on this journey. So whether you're interested in just reaching out to me with uh, a question or a comment by email, you can do that. Um, If you want to learn more about our support group or our parent coaching or any of the training and workshops that I do, all of that is found on our website, justicefororphansny.org. There is a link in the show notes um, so you can find it. Again, please subscribe, leave a review, find and follow us on social media at Justice for Orphans. Um, I'm there as well. You can find me, Sandra Flack, um, and I am at Sandra Flack underscore JFO on both Instagram and Facebook. So I hope you'll check that out. Would love to connect with you. And I am grateful to have you along for the journey. Make sure you tune in next week. I have Dr. Jared Brown back for a great conversation. See you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. 
please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.